We're in conversation with Mr. Peter Sito, Chief Executive of Vumelan Advisory Fund, an NGO in the land reform sector. They have welcomed government's approach to finalise the 1,409 restitution land claims, that is, at a cost of some 9.3 billion rand over the next three years to achieve redress and equitable access to land. They also note that while government has set aside budgets and specific targets for the next three years, these targets must be closely monitored and measured to ensure that the country achieves the desired outcomes for the land reform program. Vumelana has cautioned that to avoid repetition of past failures, and there have been many, it's crucial that government draws learning from some of the work that has been done successfully by other role players in the land reform space. Now, without much delay, let's get into what should be a cracking conversation and I hope will elicit some debate from those who listen at home. Johannesburg, 714-2006, that's the number to dial. WhatsApp voice notes, 614 107 good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Land reform in this country, yeah, it's, it's, it's a debate that's been going on for so long as South Africa has been known to be a country. From where you sit as an NGO, non-partisan, just simply looking at what needs to be done in relation to the nation's challenges, what are your thoughts around government's land reform program, more especially in the light of the policy of land expropriation without compensation? Well, I think as a starting point, one needs to highlight the fact that land reform is an emotive issue in South Africa, and like it is the case in many countries. It is probably one of the most contested issues in the country. There are also divergent views among South Africans, depending on which side you are, on what firstly, what land reform should achieve. And, and as you rightly pointed out, on land expropriation without, on, on expropriation of land without compensation. Having said this, I think uh, we, we should welcome the fact that as South Africans, we are actually talking about these issues with a view to shaping up policies that would be suitable for the benefit of, of South Africans. Coming back to your issue around, I mean, Maybe before I even get to mm. uh, some salient points on ex- expropriation per se, I think the challenges that uh, we are facing the land from space are well documented. There have been a number of uh, studies and reports. Uh, to cite an example, we've got the so-called Monte report. We've got the Presidential Advisory Panel on Land Reform. And I think these two reports specifically have actually raised a number of issues that impact on successful land reform and effect, on successful and effective land reform. Um, I'm not going to go through that, but just to mention one or two, I think lack of government capacity and poor coordination has been cited as one of those issues. Corruption has been also cited. The absence of a framework through which we can really keep policymakers and implementers on track and accountable. As an example, Yesterday, a budget we, we had we had budget speech and 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 we are we are we are excited we are happy that at least something has been put aside to finalise restitution claims, but you know it would be sad at the end of the year to find that some of these monies have not been actually utilised uh, for for to finalise some of these claims purely because there's no um, you know you know 
appropriate, uh, you know, tracking and accountability, you know. In educate budgets and access to finance, I mean, it's one thing to get the land, but it's something else to work the land, and hence it is important that there must be access to finance. Getting back to expropriation, I think we, as South Africans, sometimes we talk about expropriation as if it has never been part of our law. Expropriation in general has always been part of our dispensation, you know. And we, are, we, we might all be aware that there are two pro, pro processes that are currently running, rather concurrently running. We've got a committee in Parliament that's really steering a process to amend the Constitution to make it possible for expropriation without compensation to take place, to actually make it explicit more, more than any other thing. Because there is a school of thought that says, even without this amendment, it should have been possible for government to actually do that. On the one hand, we've got another process where a bill has been published for comment, as the expropriation bill, and this resides within the Department of um, uh, 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 it, 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 it Agriculture Land Reform? No, 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 no. The expropriation bill. It's actually driven by the Department of Public Works. Okay. The expropriation bill, you know. Now, the expropriation bill has been on the table for several years, but could not be finalized. In short, what the current bill is, is really doing is an attempt to make sure that expropriation is not done in an arbitrary fashion. It's used as a last resort. It further details the procedures to be followed. In, in 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 doing this expropriation, you know, um, it, it 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 further. If you look at the bill, it further indicates that the property owner must receive a just and equitable amount for the property, reflecting on an equitable balance between public interest and interest of the owner. There's a new provision, however, that has been inserted in the current version, which makes provision for the property to be taken without compensation. And it goes on further to list a number of factors where this would be permissible. And as an example, it says where the owner has, uh, for example, abandoned the property and failed to exercise control, and where land has not been used or developed or kept for speculative purposes. But the long and short of, of, of all of this is that uh, uh, this is a process and we need to engage with this process it is a long process and south africans do need to engage with it and 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 i'm not so sure if south africans have been engaging with it of course it's a political slogan when you start talking about land expropriation without compensation at least insofar as it relates to the ANC, because for the longest time they hadn't really had that being a position or any policies that ultimately would support that position for the purposes of expropriation. One might reasonably argue that they really got onto the horse, so to speak, once the EFF got into Parliament in 2014, but specifically used land expropriation without compensation for them as you better get on board or else we're going to be taking some votes away for you. This is now in the lead up to the 2019. But let us suspend the conversation about expropriation for a minute because land cannot only be expropriated. Let's talk about the less extreme measures in the context of land reform. It may take place in the form of redistribution. It may take form in ways of lease to own or lease at zero rating. There are many ways to transfer ultimately means of production and wealth. 
Land reform might even include, frankly speaking, especially around the mineral deposit areas, those mining licenses being amended to suit the communities upon which such mining licenses are granted or where the deposits lie, including holding to account the captains of industry who ignore the, benefi- the beneficiation obligations that are attached to mining and mining rights and mining licenses and all of that. So without having a conversation about expropriation, South Africans for the most part really haven't even engaged what land reform is about, but now suddenly expropriation is now suddenly something that we ought to be talking about. Do you just want to talk to us talk to us about why perhaps that might be? Why land reform and the many measures attached to land reform have largely been silent or glossed over? Well, the, well, as a starting point, there are three broad legs of land reform. We've got land uh, redistribution, which is really aimed at ensuring that the previously disadvantaged can get access to land which they can work on and so on. And we've got um, uh, land restitution, which is really aimed at uh, restituting property that was forcibly taken from our people. And then we've got land tenure. So of these three broad legs, I probably... The, the less developed is actually land tenure, which is largely which largely has to do with land that uh, you know under the administration of the traditional authorities, as an example, or uh, you know just ensuring that we can improve on the rights of farm workers, etc., etc. You know, but as Bumelana, the area that we tended to focus on was really on on, on land land. Uh, land restitution because this is where probably large tracts of land have been uh, government has actually bought large tracts of land and actually given to fairly larger groups in the form of either communal property association trust and other land owning entities so whilst there there are some pockets of success in terms of uh, what has been happening in the land restitution space the, the reality is that the process has been very, very slow to satisfy the needs of South Africans. That's the first one. Secondly, the the, the restitution process itself hasn't hasn't been, it it can be improved. It has to be streamlined. In this regard, for for us, two areas require agenda attention. On the one one hand, during the first round of the land claims, 90% of the claims, if you recall, they were settled through financial compensation. And perhaps this is not necessarily a bad thing because it's one thing to force people to take the land. And and to the extent that people don't want the land and they want financial compensation, we should take this very seriously. It is highly unlikely that mm. this will be the case even going forward. So, so, so if this process can be speedily completed, then a large portion of the restitution claims can be finalized and, and actually satisfy a number of people. The other, on the other hand, We've got high-value land, large-scale and complex claims that have taken for teachers. I mean, I'm aware of claims that, 20, that were lost 20 years ago, and those claims haven't been resolved. So it is important that, firstly, we acquire the necessary skills that are needed to ensure that these claims are dealt with expeditiously in order to save jobs, the existing jobs, and to create new jobs and to ensure that there's a, a continuation of the operations in those existing business so that we can benefit our people. Because what our experience has been that uh, the minute those high-value land 
are actually given to our people. They collapse. Those projects actually collapse. For that reason, we believe that we need to use experienced transaction advisors to negotiate these viable commercial transactions on large and high value claims to ensure that communities can meaningfully benefit from land reform and Let's avoid keep it there. community disputes. Let's hold that thought. Let's take a couple of calls. I do confirm the number is back to what it normally is. Now, Johannesburg 714-2006. We're no longer using the 1510 number. Johannesburg 714-2006. Please do give us a call on the viewpoint. Mr. Peter Sido, Chief Executive at Vumelana Advisory Fund, talking to us about land reform and the budget and how the budget is responsive to land reform program in the country at large. We are taking calls as we are voice notes. And, of course, you know what to do in relation to the letter under minute no noise in the background to the point our first caller who has not done so in a while from bombela navari navari good evening thanks for calling uh, good evening mm. listeners of SFM and your and your panelists um look just just to make a quick correction on, on your assertion that the the african national congress only did start to sing about the issue of uh, of a land expropriation of that conversation because of the eff the eff copycat the policies of the the youth league conference of nazarek which resolve on that aspect. But historically, the ANC always had that context of uh, how land should be shared amongst our people. But the difference is that, you see, you don't equate a protest movement in the ruling party. Well, those are two different things. So the management of usage of words and sloganism can be the same in the two organizations, uh, just, just to make it uh, a matter of principle, so that we must not actually continue to make that distortion in our engagement in public discourse. But but the, 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 the issue I want to raise is that, you see, we... we, we we want to make uh, the issue of the land a, a political football in this country. And I think to me, it's quite problematic. And I, I, I don't want to be on the populist side of singing slogans that have no substance. The point that the government should do is that there should be a concerted effort uh, uh, to put money to support, uh, you know, uh, black commercial farmers. Because many of the land claims that have went through uh, from very productive lands that we've seen in Nelspreet, uh, towards the end for many of them are not actively being utilized primarily because people choose certain things including selling the land for for, 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 for accommodations and and things that are not actually productive in terms of the economy so i think government should make it a condition that in the instances where you find the land that has been a farming land there shouldn't be anything else that get rezoned for it must continue as a productive land because in the long run, if we continue doing what we're doing, we're going to chase away commercial farmers who have been feeding our nation. And we can't use this thing as a racial matter because feeding our nation can't be a racial issue. It's an economic matter. So I think we should put a family the position that, that relates to how land should be used for production other than residential areas. I understand that in towns, for instance, this issue of shortage of land that people should actually uh, uh, utilizing for accommodation. But in many instances, that land belongs to municipalities. Municipalities sold them back to, 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 to developers, which will undermine that same program that the government seeks to do. So the government should have a moratorium on municipalities selling land to consultants for, for, for profit-making, other than um, uh, dealing Got with you? the special you know, uh, 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 accommodation of our people. Yeah. Fantastic, Navari. Thank you so much for your thoughts. Stay tuned for responses to your comments. Mike Newlands, good evening. Yeah, good evening, Mr. Gezo, and good evening to your guest. I wanted to comment on three things. First of all, Ivan Kluti, I'd like him to comment on that. He's been kicked off his land three times by the ANC uh, because he doesn't have title deeds, and the ANC have now given that land to an ex-ANC MP and uh, MK veteran. Uh, he'll know about the case, it's, uh, and uh, it's, an ex- very, it's 
sensitive one, and it's reflecting the fact that where we're going to end up in the in the future. The second thing is he talks about losing jobs. Well, I uh, dealt with uh, the late uh, Jackson and Tem- Tembu, and uh, I brought in 100 jobs and 200 million rand investment into South Africa in the Paul area, which I spoke to Bongi Gwala and the minister about, and uh, the minister didn't bother to get back to me, couldn't give a damn, and I lost a huge amount of commission. I lost 200 jobs, and our country lost uh, 200 million investment because of expropriation without compensation. So that's the end of those jobs. And then finally, uh, if you look at the surveys that were done, a black respondent said in a survey, 27% said they would rather be worried about having jobs than only 2% on this particular survey called Uniting the Middle, black respondents identified speeding up land reform as a government priority. This land expropriation without compensation that your guest is talking about is nothing more than an ANC plot and a, uh, to, to split black against white. It is not the issue of the country. Land is not what it's all about. It's an emotive issue. I accept that. And I understand the history. I'm not under- mis- misunderstanding that at all. But if the money that has been stolen by the ANC runs into a trillion and billions, they could have bought all these farms legitimately, not wrecked our economy. I could have made some commission and 200 guys would be employed and we'd have 100 million rand of euro investment into our country. But sadly, we don't. And that's the real issue. Thanks, Sir Gesso. Yeah, Mike, thanks for calling in Newlands. Jay, let's go to Durban. Jay? Jay? You know, uh, my concern, and over the uh, years, uh, two decades, with the land invasion and, uh, you know, and I I fully sympathize with all these people that had to come into uh, into the cities and urban areas to travel to and fro very easily. But our land consultants and ministers should have realized the basket areas were really, really ravaged. The very many farming agricultural areas have been taken over. I've seen fluttering of beautiful producing productive trees that could have made many many uh, in the decades ago farmers have produced and uh, sustained the land and the people there were very many jobs in this land of ours now if every bit of land is uh, all the trees and environmental uh, producing uh, plants and trees are taken away most important, our oxygen in this uh, uh, in our country is going to be reduced very, very much. And uh, overall, we won't get the produce that we normally used to get. For instance, the jackfruit tree is so very important. It's a very natural antibiotic. Avocado pear trees, it's got the omega, natural omega 3, 6, and 9 in there. We don't have to go for, uh, you know, chemically produced products, we can, you know, our land ministers must look into this and make sure residential areas are allocated in the right places, not in the basket areas. And our hope is the future generations that they're not going to be deprived of their natural agriculture. We don't have to depend from overseas for all our products and agriculture. Thank you very much and have a good evening. Thank you so much, Jay. Much appreciated. Two more calls in this segment anyway. In Durban, still anonymous immediately after Selo in Mukupan.
Hello, good evening to you, um, Songezo, and to your guests there. I'm inquiring, land grabbing, you know, in uh, 1979, when the Group Areas Act took over, uh, when, when the ANC took over, uh, the Group Areas Act took over in 1979, and there were land grabbing, residential properties were also um, grabbed by people who had the money who had the money in which they could grab every property because some people couldn't get a loan and um, some people had to move out of their premises because of uh, some people had to change their religion to own their home, the inconvenience that people had to go through. Uh, you know, how, how does one go about um, making a claim on that? On that, Is it uh, just farming that you're talking about or is residential properties too? Thank you so much. Let's go to Selon Mukupane finally. Hello. Yes, thank you. You on air? Hello. Yes, thank thanks for taking. <laughs> thanks, but look, one I just want to find clarity in terms of 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 the farmers that the government bought for the past five, ten years or fifteen. What have they done as a government to support those farmers? One, some is. The, 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 I think Limpopo province, they spent millions and millions buying, there was a, 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 a farm where Titumboweni loved to stay, where Titumboweni loved to stay. So if you can go there, that farm is not working anymore. You go to Zepediela, not far from Lubuahomo. We were producing, we were one of the best in the whole world, Songhezwa. If, I, if, if, if I'm correct, to produce oranges that farms are dead now as we speak. So I wonder if the government is busy misusing our money that we work so hard and they go and buy the farmers and then they're claiming that they're giving to um, black people who are, 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 are staying at that um, uh, 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 place in Songhezo. It's shameful, because as, as, as I'm, self, I'm telling you now, go to ZB Songhezo. You will be shocked. If you get to know what was happening there, how people were working, you, the same thing you can go to Zanin, Makhova's proof. The farm is dead, but millions have been spent. Yeah, now government is coming again and saying, no, we're going to do... What what actually is the purpose of buying things as government after that and then you just let it go and then you don't care what happened to them? There's no one who's going to help accountable as we speak now. No one held accountable. People lost work and so forth and so forth. And then we have this kind of debate year and after another a day and so forth. And nothing happened to politicians from this. Yeah, Mr. Peter Soto is probably in a good position to respond to that because Vumelan Advisory Fund is a non-profit organization established in 2012 to help beneficiaries of the land reform program to put their land to profitable use. And there have been a couple of suggestions, low-hanging fruits, as it were, in terms of how that can be done. Do you want to respond to at least the economic aspect of land reform? Of course, we know land reform is not just economic, as Navari would have one believe. It is very political, certainly in this country. Dadisito? 
son ellos, en la points uh, have actually been raised, valid points that have been raised by by the callers, and 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 you've as you've rightly pointed out, as Vumelana, we assist beneficiaries of land reform to use their land productively. So the the kind of farms that the caller is referring to is typically the kind of projects that we'd be looking at as Fumelani to support. Now, we know that we've got in excess of 8 million hectares uh, that have been transferred to our people. And a sizable percentage thereof, I mean, there's an, some people are throwing an, a, a figure of around 70% of some of those projects that have been uh, that, that some of those land parcels that are no longer productive. This really calls for us to look at, to relook at how we've been doing things. And and, and of the projects that we've handled as Rumelana, I think there's there are some useful lessons that we can share with South Africans and with government. But having said that, just to 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 respond rather to some of the issues that have been raised. I think we must be very careful that the expropriation without compensation should not be used to obscure the need for a multifaceted approach to land reform. For example, land reform has got the urban and rural dimension. And our approach to those two should be somewhat different, you know. We should not lose sight of the fact that we need to support commercial agriculture as well as smallholder development. And and most importantly, to capacitate our our CPIs because if you don't capacitate them, definitely failure is guaranteed. Also we should not also hide the acute need for significant improvement in the in the capacity to actually run government programs or implement land reform. I mean, skills, capacity within government, and access to afford, affordable finance for for beneficiaries. These are all the things that we, that we need to to get now to focus on the constitution or expropriation of land without compensation as a key impediment to successful land reform is really to, for lack of a better way, to misdiagnose the problem in that this may divert attention from matters that require urgent attention. So we need to balance the manner in which land is acquired and is actually used. So so, so, so the, the debate on expropriation without of land without compensation had somewhat reduced land reform to a, to, to, to a question of of acquisition. However, the important question is what happens once that land is acquired and transferred. You know that remains largely ignored. And experience in our in our environment as, as women has shown that building viable partnerships with the private sector, for example, for the use of land acquired by communities is the most immediate and expedient way through which we can attract investment and ensuring effective use of land because the community for the, of the one hand, they bring the land and the private operator or the investor bring access to bring finance or access to finance brings the, the requisite skill set, bring, for example, access to market. You know. Over time, you capacitate the beneficiaries of land reform such that they on that point, sorry, let me interrupt. On, their own. on that point, are you suggesting that when you say communities, are you talking about individual members who are landowners, partner up with private sector? or communities as in co-ops. I have my reservation, at least my experience has told me, that co-ops are not nearly as successful as they could and should have been simply because everybody passes the buck and nothing ever gets done. What are your thoughts in relation to that? 
Well, I'm, I'm basically referring to land-owning entities. Uh, within the land restitution space, mm. once the, the land claim has been settled, it would be transferred to what we call either a communal property association. This is a, an association comprising of community members. They would have a constitution. It would comprise of several members. We've got a number more than 1,600 of such uh, CPAs or communal property associations mm. in the country. So similarly, in certain instances, land is transferred to, uh, uh, for example, your trust, etc., etc. You know. So, 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 so that's what is happening in the land reform space. But on the redistribution side of things, land is actually, uh, in most instances, uh, transferred or rather given or allocated to individuals, and in some instances, as you've rightly pointed out. To co-ops, and the biggest uh, criticism for giving land to co-ops is that you you may be having a cooperative comprising ten members, only to find that there are only two members who are really interested in 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 in, in really working the land, and that leads to to absurdities. It leads to infightings amongst the group, and and as a result, projects collapse. Finally, what should the nation's response be, particularly now rural land that forms part of the land under the administration of your chiefs and headmen? I'm asking that in relation to the absence of title deeds. I'm asking that in relation to the fact that land is an instrument of trade against which debt can be secured. Are we not missing an obvious trick insofar as it relates to land reform? Well, I think you're raising a very important point. And, uh, and earlier on, I indicated that uh, uh, land tenure is the least developed of the three branches of land reform. And essentially what we are saying is a lot of our, our people are, are, are staying in rural areas. They don't have title to those small portions of land that they're occupying. You know, So it is important that we must urgently introduce reforms so that there's some form of titling for people who are staying in land that is really uh, overseen or administered by your tribal authorities. I mean, these are vast tracts of land which are, in most instances, lying fallow, you know. And you're also raising another important point that, uh, you know, you, you sit with land and you can't possibly even use this land if you were to, you know, apply for a loan. So it, it, it's an asset which is really meaningless, which doesn't really help you at all, you know. So it is absolutely crucial that we need to expedite reforms around land that is administered by the tribal authorities. Mike in Newlands has just tweeted saying, please ensure your guest does not duck the black farmer Ivan Kluter affair. I have another listener who says, oh, he's really in it for me this evening. First comment, this particular listener says, song as all we long-suffering SAFM listeners crave is for some rare, fair and balanced chat and debate on SAFM. We don't want to go for SABC being the propaganda voice of the ruling party. Apartheid Nets or ANC? goes on to say what kind of a journalist I am. Please don't do a 180-degree turn and curse us with an equally biased anti-government mouthpiece. Strongly challenge ANC when necessary, he says, but please don't be a darky version 
of that awful cracker Mike in Newlands. You are far better than that. Give us some fair debate. The same listener goes on to say, Songezo, you are scared to ever challenge the vexatious apartheid-era cracker Chomi Mike in Newlands. I've never heard you challenge his Euro twak. <laughs> Ask the cracker to substantiate some of his, you know what, like he brought in fruitless huge investment. For God's sake, have the gonondas, oh, gonads, to challenge Mlungu. Oh my goodness gracious me. The point is, have you anything to say in relation to Ivan Klute? I, I thought it was necessary just to read that because the listener clearly hasn't been listening for too long on this platform. But anyway, every now and then we have those. What, what do you think of the black farmer Ivan Kluter affair that Mike raised in Newlands who has been kicked off multiple times off his property by ostensibly the ANC government? The reason why I'm saying ostensibly is I don't know the facts around this matter and Mike mentioned the late Minister Jackson Mtembu who's unfortunately late and therefore is not in a position to respond to this. So what, do you have anything to say around Ivan Kluter? Well, as I said, uh, when we started this, this debate, uh, that land reform is an emotive issue in South Africa, like it is the case in, in many countries. In fact, many wars in the world that have been fought have been uh, around around land, which is why it's so important to South Africans that we must earnestly uh, engage in meaningful debate with a view to ensuring that uh, land reform is essentially done in a responsible and in a sustainable fashion, you know. And, and as I said, there are divergent views among South Africans, depending mm. on which side you are, on what firstly land, what land reform should achieve, as an example, yes. and, and, and 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 on expropriation of land without compensation, as as, as you just uh, heard. But but the reality is, we 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 are not at Eden as South Africans. We are not reading from the same page. But it is important that uh, we try to, amongst other things make sure that we can have a, you know, a shared um, dream in terms of what is it that you want to achieve and what is it that land reform should, 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 should actually address. Yeah. So, 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 so we'll always have this kind of differences of opinion and, 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 and throughout this uh, session, I think, the debates have been somewhat uh, really focusing on where the challenges are. And I've said there are a lot of reports uh, in, in this area which really detail what the challenges are, including suggestions on how to really deal with those. Very well. Uh, Let's leave it yes. then, Dadisito. I think I have run out of time, but you're right. There are many challenges. But the first point that you had made was probably more than enough. The Constitution, as it read, as it has always read, has always been enough to implement land expropriation without compensation. As far as I'm concerned, it is because the ruling elite haven't a way to tackle this question of land. That's why there's a panel, there's a report, there is a policy, it's debated in Parliament, and it surfaces after 20 Section 25, as it reads right now, without any modifications, is enough to expropriate land without compensation. Any and everything else is simply an indication of either lack of political will or simple inability to do what the Constitution requires. 2048, it's time for an ad break. One more story before the top of the hour.